Welcome to Worldwide Wonderful Women, a podcast for your living in divine power when yours is diminished. A podcast where encouragers receive encouragement. We understand these are hard times. You may find that it is becoming more of a challenge for you to remain strong as you give of yourself continuously. That's why this is the place to join other women globally who face the same challenges as you. So join us regularly to receive biblical insight not to faint, but to stand strong. This is the podcast to be rejuvenated and revitalized. Now, let's join our host, Paula Harris. Happy day! This is episode number 158 of Worldwide Wonderful Women, and the title of this episode is Isaiah and God, Part 3. This month, we're covering Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 13. Previously, we talked about the celestial, verses 1 to 4, the confession, verse 5, the consecration today, verses 6 to 7, and then following the call, verse 8, and then the commission, verses 9 to 13. So today we're going to look at the consecration, verses 6 to 7. In the Bible, the word consecration means the separation of oneself from things that are unclean, especially anything that would contaminate one's relationship with a holy God. So, in other words, we're talking about sanctification, holiness, or purity of an individual. And it was Isaiah's confession of his personal sin that brought about the response of God's cleansing or consecrating him and equipping him for service. And so last week we talked about that confession that Isaiah made when he came into the holy presence of God. And whenever we draw nigh to God, it is going to expose the sin in our lives. And we need to acknowledge and confess our sin so that our fellowship may be strong and maintained and not diminished in any way with our Holy Father. Again, Isaiah verses 6 to 7, this is what it states. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. So here... It's significant that the seraphim, which means burning one or firing one, touched Isaiah's lips with a hot or a burning coal from the altar. So the fact that the coal came from the altar was used to remind us ultimately that all sin is forgiven because of a sacrifice. Now the sacrifices on the temple altar point ultimately, as we know, to the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, on our behalf. God sovereignly and graciously forgave Isaiah's sin. Only God can forgive sin. The coal was symbolic of God's forgiveness. 
So the sacrifice of animals on an altar was only temporary. It was symbolic and pointed to the ultimate and the one-time sacrifice of Jesus Christ, God's Son, which would cleanse the whole world from their sin. If you look at Romans chapter 3, verse 23 to 26, in the New Living Translation, it says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in His grace, freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. So we see again the seraphim, which means burning one, took the burning coals off of the altar, representing sacrifice, forgiveness on behalf of Isaiah. Then it goes on in verse 7. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. I would encourage you to go to last week's podcast so that you can understand the significance of my mouth or lips. But basically, it has to do with the heart attitude and our words and our thoughts. And so here... That is where Isaiah acknowledged and saw how sinful he was in the sight of a holy God. And so that's why the coal was applied to his mouth and touched his lips. The imagery of a burning coal, because it was burning, it was really hot. The angel had to take it off of the altar with tongs could be symbolic in regards to showing the act of forgiveness, personal forgiveness on his behalf. But then if you read another commentary, it it may say that, no, it was a hot coal, signifying that there's no painless cure for sin, that there was pain and death involved in it. And so that possibly when it was talking about the hot coals, there may have been pain involved. Of course, we don't know until we talk to Isaiah when we get to heaven. But anyway, let's go on. Then it goes on and it says, your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Taken away is symbolic of what the Israelites used to practice when they would symbolically place their sins on a goat and then drive that goat into the wilderness. You could read this in Leviticus chapter 16. So what was happening symbolically was that their sins were transferred over to the goat and that scapegoat or that goat was driven out in the wilderness where their sins were taken away from them. And the Hebrew word translated purged means covered. And it's the same term that is rendered atonement. So the word refers to the process of killing an animal and sprinkling the blood on the altar for atonement. So this symbolic action signified the removal of Isaiah's guilt and his sin. And of course, this is what the entire nation needed. The whole nation needed to respond as Isaiah did, acknowledging their need for cleansing from sin. So it was Isaiah's confession of his personal sin that brought the response again of God's cleansing and equipping him for service, as we're going to see next week. 
Another scripture I'd like to share with you just briefly is 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confess our sins is to acknowledge them. The word confession is a combination of two Greek words meaning same and to say. So confession means to say the same or to agree. So in other words, believers are to say the same thing about sin that God says and to see sin as God sees it. Confession is to acknowledge specific sins and to recognize that that sin or those sins need to be forgiven. So when you confess, you're agreeing with God, you're acknowledging that what God says is sin is sin. So you're not making excuses for your behavior. If the Lord says that something is out of line with your walking in holiness and fellowship with him, you agree with him, you acknowledge it, you confess it, and then you allow him to cleanse you. So in order for us to walk day by day in fellowship with God and with our fellow believers, we need to confess our sins, whether they're sins of commission done deliberately or sins of omission, things that we should have done that we haven't done. We need to bring them out in the open. If God hasn't already brought them out into the open or showed us ourselves that these are things that we need to deal with, we need to call them for what they actually are. We need to take sides with God against that sin and forsake that sin. So again, confession is essential to the believer's relationship with God and really to other people as well. In 1 John 1, 9, it says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. When it says he's faithful and just to forgive us, that word faithful means that he has promised to forgive and will abide by his promises, that you can rely upon him totally, and that the forgiveness which he promised is absolute. You can be assured of it. And then also when it talks about him being just, he can be just because he has found a righteous basis for forgiveness in the substitutionary work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. So although God is just and he has to judge sin, he did that through sacrificing and placing all the judgment for sin upon his son, Jesus Christ. Please go to our website given at the end of this podcast and hear more about what it means to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, one thing in regards to forgiveness, we have to be careful to distinguish the family forgiveness of the father for his children from the forgiveness that we received at our redemption or at our salvation. This passage in 1 John is written to those who are already saved from eternal judgment because of their sin, but are now children of God in need of forgiveness because they failed in their Christian walk. So the forgiveness John speaks of in 1 John 1, 9 is a parental, not a judicial forgiveness. Now let me explain what I mean. Judicial forgiveness means forgiveness from the penalty of sin, which the sinner receives when they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's called judicial because it's granted by God acting as a judge. But what about sins that a person commits after they become a believer? 
Well, as far as the penalty is concerned, the price has already been paid by the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary. But as far as fellowship in the family of God is concerned, when a saint or a believer sins, they need still forgiveness, like a parental forgiveness. That is the forgiveness of a father, a heavenly father who you've come in relationship with. The believer can obtain forgiveness by confessing their sin. We need judicial forgiveness only once because that takes care of the penalty of all of our sin, past, present, and future. But we need that parental fatherly forgiveness throughout our Christian life. I hope that makes sense. You know, I I went into all this explanation and I, I'm short on time, so I'm trying to get all this in, but I hope that wasn't confusing. When it says to forgive, when people admit that they're sinful, God honors his word by both forgiving them and giving them the power to overcome sin. And so it's through the blood of Jesus that that cleansing takes place. And nothing else can remove this stain or penalty of our sin but the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So John is speaking here to believers in 1 John 1, 9, and that the forgiveness here is not for their initial salvation. His concern is the sanctification or the continual fellowship and walk of the believer. Just as Isaiah received consecration and cleansing for confessing his sin, we are able to have the same on our behalf. And I just really thank God that all who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and not hide their sin are able to have sin forgiven and purged so that we are able to continue to have fellowship with a holy God. So please take a moment to get alone with God and confess, acknowledge, agree with God any sins that you may be forgiven and restored in fellowship with your loving Father. Well, I'm praying for you until next time that we come together. And in the meantime, smile. Jesus loves you. Thank you for listening to Worldwide Wonderful Women. We trust you enjoyed the program. Please take a moment to leave us a good rating and review on iTunes to help us continually encourage others around the globe. We also invite you to go to TWMforJesus.org. That's T-W-M like in Mary, F-O-R-J-E-S-U-S dot O-R-G to download your free gift and see other resources to help you live in divine power. And oh, don't forget to tell your friends. Until next time, be strong and of good courage.